0: Welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. Hey, I need to give you a few um, things to be aware of before we get started this morning. And the first thing I want to start out with is to show you a video clip that took place last Sunday after our services were over, and hopefully this will work. We opened up our Great Commission Children's Missions Library that you need to be aware of and know that it's uh, a, an incredible thing. It's got an African hut in it for the kids to sit in and to read books about the glory of God. And I just want to thank uh, the people that built it. Uh, they did an incredible job. It was I, I, it was one of those things where I I was just amazed that Anthony Emerson and, and the other men could build this thing to look like it is like a replica of a hut so I want to show you this uh, video clip as we had a dedication to Mrs. Gregory last week and just to open it up for the kids. Can we get that going? Thank you. today because we want to see these children loved and nourished as she did in their life. I pray, Lord, she'll bless this library and all these things we pray. It's in the master's name of Jesus our Lord, we'll be in the church and family and we'll I care care the Church. I'll be in prayer for Brad Hamilton and all our children's workers as they continue to pour into the lives of our children and uh, pass that baton of the gospel on to them for the glory of God for the next generation. And that's what we want to have a cradle to grave theme throughout this church for the Great Commission and uh, the glory of God that is our privilege to share with people as we take the gospel around the world to be a global impact church. And it's all about people that are not here with us today. That's why we're here. We exist for those that are not amongst us today, for God's glory. And so this morning, I hope that you noticed in your Sunday school class there was uh, some pictures. And again, I want to thank Brad Hamilton uh, for his incredible assistance to me. As always, he's invaluable to me. Brad put those pictures together. He put them in frames, and hopefully you saw that. So here's what I want you to do with those pictures. That Sunday school... Set of pictures is for you to design as a class to put on any wall that you want, to put them up any way you want. You can uh, put them all on one wall, or you can make an accent wall, or you can put them around the room. But we want you to put those pictures up on your own to remind you of the the need to be a a great commission church. And so if you have those pictures in your room, and sometime go into some of the other classrooms and you'll see that we've broken those into what are called affinity groups, according to the International Mission Board, uh, the organization of the world. And so put those up on your own and you don't have to, uh, if you, I'm not saying you have to pray for those people or that's not an assignment for your class. You can do that if you'd like. We're leaving the leeway up to you, but... The main thing we want is to have a cradle-to-grave emphasis on the Great Commission, so hopefully uh, you can put those pictures up, and when you see those people, you should be reminded that that's why um, God has given us the privilege of sharing the gospel, to save people through uh, the work of the Spirit, and as they hear the, the message, the good news of the gospel. And so there's also, by the way, a Tuscaloosa room, there's an Alabama room that's not part of the International Mission Board, but part of our mission here is an Acts 1-8 global outreach plan. So those, uh, that's a couple of things. Also tonight, I want to, you to come, if you can, at 6 o'clock to support one of our uh, master teachers here. We have a, James Fowler Jr. is a, a teacher who's got the, the, the gift of teaching, and he is going to be speaking tonight. I want to encourage his teaching ministry, I want to give him the opportunity to teach and share information periodically with the church. And I want you to encourage him and support him tonight by coming. And he's going to be speaking on the question, what is truth? And how uh, today we can stand on the promises that are true. And a very important topic in a world that says truth is relative and truth is subjective. So come and support James tonight. All right, last thing I want to mention is that this has been the D-NOW weekend, so some of our youth may look like they're beginning to worship through rest during the course of this sermon because they haven't slept all night. Melody's probably the only one that's got the right to do that. She's probably been up all night. But I want to thank all of the workers that went. We had 19 youth attend a Disciple Now weekend at Alberta Baptist Church. That's fantastic. That's a lot of youth, and so we need to be in prayer for our youth leader search and and in prayer for all of the activities that are always going on. So it's exciting what God is doing, and you pray and join God at work where he's already at and encourage these young people to the light blue shirts on if you see them and tell them how happy we are that they're here and they're attending our youth program. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, I want you to open it up to Genesis chapter 2. In verse 1, our text this morning is Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. And we are finishing our sermon series on stewardship this morning. And this is the last sermon in this series we've entitled, Worship Beyond the Parking Lot," And we have talked about how to be stewards, not owners, of everything that God has given us. And that means everything. Stewardship is not just money, but stewardship is... Is every aspect of life, and God intends us to use every aspect of life for worship. And we don't stop worshiping when we stop singing, we keep worshiping, and we even can worship to, throughout the course of every aspect of life. We talked about, for example, elements of worship in our family, in marriage, in time, the use of time, how to use work as a form of worship. We looked at offerings tithes wealth management and today we're ending on this subject and that is worship through rest and we're going to explain how we can do that today and so there's a lot of confusion in the church today about keeping the sabbath and whether or not we're supposed to keep it in many cases it's ignored because there's just a lot of confusion about it And a lot of people just simply don't know, are we supposed to keep it? If so, what does that look like? How do we keep the Sabbath if we're supposed to keep it? That's what we want to understand today and the importance of it. There's a lot of confusion about that, but one thing there's not a lot of disagreement about is that this world that we live in is a world of stress and a world of fatigue. It doesn't take long uh, to look around and find somebody who's stressed out, and it may very well be You, this morning, because Christians are not exempt from stress, fatigue, and burnout. And I've got some great news for you this morning. And the great news is that the master physician has wrote you a prescription to deal with stress in your life. And it's right here in our text this morning. I want to share a very important biblical means for you to deal with stress and burnout in your life. And the answer this morning is practicing the Sabbath and what that means. And by the way, the word Sabbath is a Hebrew word that means to rest or to cease from working. So in the very creation account, just like we've already seen, God lays out in the first two chapters of Genesis the model that he wants us to follow in life. And that model is what we're about to read. And you follow as I read Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God created for six days, and then he rested. And he rested on the seventh day in order to provide us a model for the work week. Because God was not tired. God is omnipotent. God has all power. God is never tired. Aren't you wanting to praise God that in the middle of the night, when you can't sleep, God is still awake? And uh, he never sleeps because he doesn't need sleep. He do- He's never fatigued. And so what... We have here is a picture of what God was modeling and God throughout the Bible says, imitate me. Jesus said, follow me. Paul said to imitate God. And we see this throughout all of the scriptures and right in the first two chapters, we have these critical concepts of the Christian life today. Jesus himself said in the gospel of Mark, the Sabbath was made for man. And not man for the Sabbath. And so today, what we're going to notice is the the critical nature of the Sabbath rest to our health and well being, and our stability, and our um, general outlook on life. And so, if you notice in this text, I was emphasizing the fact the seventh day is critically important. Anytime in Scripture you see words repeated, that usually is God's way of bold, Putting something in all bold letters or highlighting it with a yellow highlighter. And you should have noticed that the seventh day it was repeated three times. This is God's way of saying this is critically important. In the original Hebrew, they actually put the lines into um, the the, the verses into lines, and the, the phrase in the seventh day is in the center of the three lines here making the point that in the seventh day is central to life. So all of these things right here in the beginning of Scripture instruct us as to what we're supposed to be doing in terms of worship through rest. And it's interesting, if you read the creation account carefully, and most of you probably know this, in Genesis chapter 1, at the end of each day, it will say that that day's work was good, and the Bible says, and there was evening and morning, and then the day. But at the end of the very first week, God looked back on his work and he concluded it was very good. And then there's no refrain saying there was evening and morning. What that means is that we are to live understanding that we are to be living in God's person and rest in him. And so one day out of the week, God says for us to stop working And to focus on that idea of resting in Him. That is called the principle of Sabbath. And I have on your outline three major points. And the first major point under Roman numeral one is the Sabbath is a rhythm from God. The principle of Sabbath is God's provision for your health and well-being. God's rhythm is to work six days and to take a day of rest. And rest is not just sleeping. We're going to talk more about what rest is in a moment, but rest is not necessarily taking a nap. Work is not necessarily going off to work. Nobody ever actually stops working because God wants us, on the as long as we're alive, to have activities of some sort of work for his glory. So even if you're retired, and you we're not talking about earning a paycheck work. We're talking about activities that lead to some sort of of fatigue, but what you're doing in the definition we use was turning order, bringing order from chaos. You're taking chaos in the world and forming it into uh, order, and that is a form of work. And so for me, cleaning the house is a form of work. It's taking chaos and turning it into order, theoretically. Uh, so uh, that's work. But the principle of Sabbath is given to us in order that we would avoid overworking and underworking. It's a rhythm of life. And the many, many Christians today, they, they don't understand this. They um, believe that somehow this rhythm of, uh, that somehow the Sabbath message is actually something negative to them. The worship through rest is, again, notice that this is before the law. But my whole life I've heard people say, "Uh, don't don't put me under the Sabbath and having to keep the Sabbath. That's part of the Mosaic law. That's called the Old Covenant law, the Mosaic law. But this principle and this whole idea of Sabbath purpose and practice is pre-Moses. As you can see, it's in the second chapter of Genesis. And it explains why when you do get to the Ten Commandments, the people are already practicing the Sabbath, and that's why the Ten Commandments say, remember to keep the Sabbath. It doesn't say establish the Sabbath, it says remember to keep it. Have you ever wondered why in a world where we can't seem to have cultures agree on anything, especially anything related to religion, why is there no argument or disagreement about how many days there should be in a week? Have you ever considered the fact that you can make a calendar using other de- numbers of days for a week, but no culture ever has done that? And as uh, it's interesting when you try to look at the what's called the apologetic uh, perspective in defending the reasonability of Christianity, there is a powerful argument for the existence of God and the, the truthfulness of the creation account based on... The fact that all cultures for all time across the world have always used seven seven days to generate a week. Ancient accounts, for example, it's interesting, Egypt, ancient Egyptian writings, Persian, Indian culture, Germany, Assyria, Babylon, all have a sacredness laid across the seventh day, which to me points right back to the oral accounts that they received from the original people, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve um, established this principle of Sabbath and passed it on afterwards. And here's, again, just to be crystal clear, for people to operate in a healthy manner as God created them, they should work six days bringing order to chaos for the glory of God. And then they should rest from that work for the glory of God. That is a rhythm from God, and it is, it is akin to opening up the owner's manual of an automobile to read about how the, the automobile should optimally perform. When I first, we first got married, I, bought, uh, I was given as a present, um, a wedding gift, a propane barbecue grill and i could not figure out the you know how to put it together looking at the instructions so i called my new father in law whom i thought was going to be brilliant in helping me put this barbecue grill together which i was so proud of and so you know cuz i you know become a man cuz i was married and had a barbecue propane barbecue grill and i and we started looking at the instructions and and i had it all laid out on the the floor uh, on the ground out there and he said well, Oh, we don't need those instructions. And he threw them back over his shoulders and started just throwing those parts together. Well, about four hours later, it was the leaning barbecue grill, you know, of Malville. And so what we saw was we needed to follow the instructions to put it together, or it would never work properly. And that's the way the body is as well. And when you go through life and you're putting too much emphasis or underemphasizing work. Your, your life is out of rhythm. I'm sure that you've heard of people that are uh, dealing with rhythm problems with their heart. And we've got people in this church that have rhythm problems. They call it AFib. You know, your heart gets out of rhythm. And it's, if you talk to somebody who's dealing with that, they'll tell you, I, I think my heart is in AFib because I feel like my heart is out of rhythm. And what we have in God's divine rhythm here is the heartbeat of life. And if you don't follow it, then you're going to have some serious consequences from it that are negative. Many American Christians, again, they, they kind of push back from keeping the Sabbath, and I think it's because they initially are thinking you're saying that There's certain activities that they're not going to want to be able to, you're saying you can't do this or that on Sunday. And they don't like the idea of being forced not to do certain things on Sunday. And so they push back and they say, look, uh, you know, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And I guess they see Sabbath like a command not to have any fun. I think there's a lot of Christians that view church like that. It's been my personal observation, just listening to people, talking to people over the course of my Christian life, that there's a whole lot of Christian people that come to Southern Baptist churches. They come as a duty and not to enjoy the experience. And I'm praying for you today. And I'm praying that my prayer for you today is that worship will become a source of pleasure for you. So that you would want to say, you know, I, I want to go to church. I need to go to church and I want to to enter into that time and I actually would consider worship to be fun. And this is really a part of what the Sabbath is. The worship in and through a local church is designed to restore you, to regenerate you, and to even the challenge of change is a form of renewal in you that you know God's at work in your life. So a big part of keeping the Sabbath is corporate worship. The intensity that we experience here is, and for most Christians, it's going to be the foundation of keeping the Sabbath. So God's principle of Sabbath is, again, to keep you in the rhythm of life. And my testimony is I've tried the opposite, and it, I can see the consequences in, in my own experience. Uh, and I don't know if Kyle's here today. He's probably at drill See, and I was a traditional reservist, like Kyle Garrison, like some of our other people have been, for years uh, as an Air Force reservist. And for a period of about five years, the position I was in was really demanding that I spent two weekends a month at our unit. So I would work Monday through Friday, and I would get off um, work on Friday afternoon from school teaching. I would go directly to my unit in montgomery and we would have meetings often that night and then we would we would literally work uh, from seven in the morning to like four or five in the afternoon saturdays and do the same thing on sundays i'd usually leave the unit about six or seven on sunday night and get back home ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night and then go right back to, to work the next morning on monday morning so when you begin to do that you begin to experience just a change in your life and I have worked 26 straight days without taking a day off and what I found was the principle of the Sabbath is validated in in your life because you begin to get very ir- first of all you get irritable you you become you begin to get impatient and you wear people out around you uh, in a way that's unfair to them and so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to to see that this truth in God's scripture works. And so I'm not saying don't work on Sundays because there's obviously there's a lot of people, not only reservists and military, but then you obviously have all of the other needs of people. So I'm not saying don't work on Sunday. I mean, we've got to have people working on Sundays. What I'm saying is understand God's divine rhythm for your life, which is to work six days and then to spend a day in rest, and and that's for your well-being. And That's part of stewarding your life as a mature Christian. And it will be a blessing to your family. And So we need to talk more about what rest is in a moment and how we do that. By the way, uh, again, here's one more example I will leave with you about the Sabbath. And I saw a study on the news just last night where they were saying Americans aren't getting enough sleep, which we all probably say amen to this morning, right? Because you feel like I'm like... I needed one more hour than I had this day, so don't start worshiping through rest right yet. So most of us are uh, you know, aware that sleep is critical to your health, but what um, you need is not just sleep. You need deep sleep. Have y'all ever heard of REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement? That's because what um, people have found, the scientists have found, is when you sleep, it For about 30 minutes, you're not in deep sleep, and then you go into this REM sleep mode that actually is where your body heals itself and where it restores itself. And so if you are a person who would, for example, take six or seven hours of being asleep, maybe waking up like a mom has to do in a night with children, your body never goes into REM sleep, and so you don't feel rested, even though you may have had six or seven hours of sleep relative to getting that deep sleep that you need. The the rhythm of life, taking a Sabbath, is the, it's the REM sleep for your soul. And again, I, I just want to encourage you to understand, uh, especially maybe for younger people that are still working a lot, that this is probably more critical than ever because think about some of the things that are going on in our culture. We have Now we have smartphones, which the bad thing, the, the dumb thing about smartphones is... You can always be found by your employer, right? And so you're really, most employers kind of like, hey, I don't ever really expect not to be able to get a hold of you because you've got a cell phone. And we live and die by our cell phones in terms of people contacting us, especially with work. When I go on vacation, I, I take my cell phone with me even, so if I'm on vacation I need to know if there's something going on that's critical in the life of the church, like an an emergency situation. So no matter where I go, I always have my phone on me. Most people are like that today. You know, a lot of companies, too, are unstable, and there's a lot of jobs out there. If you talk to people, they're afraid if they don't do the most hours that somebody will outwork them. And if there's a cut or layoffs, they're liable to be cut and not to have that job anymore anymore. And then thirdly there's a lot of men I think especially but probably even some parents uh, some moms that they want to give their family a lot of nice stuff because it makes them have a sense like they're good parents. And there's really nothing wrong with that unless it gets out of hand where people's work is so intense and so over the top to provide for their families that they're you know hurting not only their family by working too much, but also their local church by not being a part of it. So again, I would encourage you to see that as a form of idolatry because if you're really saying, I find my identity and what I can provide for my kids and who I am at work and the possessions that we own and the accomplishments that I've made, that's that's idolatry. It's idolatry through work. And that's why the rhythm of God, it checks that idolatry in your life It's a way to deal with overwork and underwork in the principle of the Sabbath. But we also need to understand the purpose because it's like I said, it's not just taking a nap. This is point number two. The Sabbath purpose is a reorientation to God. It's a rhythm from God. It's a reorientation to God. And the purpose of Sabbath is God's plan for your restoration each week. What I'm trying to tell you is if you will listen to what I'm about to explain to you and then begin to try to practice it, you will begin to be rejuvenated in whatever day of the week you choose to make your Sabbath. And it doesn't have to be Sunday. For most of you, it probably will be. But at the heart of practicing the Sabbath is the realization that we are resting in God. And it centers upon and it focuses upon certain ideas about who God is. So taking a Sabbath rest is not taking a nap. It's about your focus in life and about your thoughts in life. And it begins by, first of all, purposely and, and intention, being intentional and in, in, in sitting someplace and realizing that God is the creator and he's the king and he's your provider and he is your source of everything. And that he created you to glorify him. And when you do that, you basically reorient your life to God's big, big picture. So the first thing you need to do on a, to keep the Sabbath, to practice the Sabbath, in order to find rejuvenation from the Sabbath, it's, you need to step back from the canvas of your life like an artist stepping back and look at your life and say, where is my orientation? Is it about me? And you know, Am I focusing too much on my family, myself, putting myself at the center of the universe, or is God the center of my universe? And that's the beginning of... And that's why church attendance is so helpful because we talk a lot about these things and it becomes a good foundation for practicing the Sabbath. So we need to have that Sabbath rest by stopping... Ceasing our normal work, stepping back from the canvas of life, and focusing on God as being central to our life as our Creator. Secondly, we need to think about the fact that everything that we have in life and all of our being sustained in life comes from His provision. And so, there's a very close connection, or what I would call a parallel, between tithing and practicing the Sabbath, because both in tithing. And in keeping the Sabbath, what you do is make a statement about how you look at God in terms of Him being your source of provision. And what we really are making, when you practice the Sabbath, you need to intentionally make a a decision to pray this, to say this to God God, I trust your provision is enough, and I am content in my life. I trust your provision is enough, and I am content in your provision. And I trust you for this week ahead that you are sufficient for my needs in life. That is worshiping God through rest. If you're praying, God, this week, I trust you. I trust you with my money. That's tithing, worship through tithing. But now you're saying, I trust you to provide for my needs and to be my source of satisfaction in life, you are worshiping through rest. You have ceased from work, and you are focusing on God as central to your life as your provider. And it will begin to rejuvenate you and be a source of energy for the work work week ahead, and it will prevent you from burnout. And again, we live in a fallen world, So a big part of God being your provider is recognizing God is your Savior and your Redeemer. I would encourage you to understand that part of practicing the Sabbath is realizing that your source of salvation is in God alone, not not in your work. See, we use our work as a practical source of salvation because we work for that thing that is going to provide what we really believe will make us happy in life. We, we, the things we can buy, the status that we can achieve, the satisfactions that we can achieve through work become idols that when you take the Sabbath rest, it replaces those idols with the true source of satisfaction, which is the true and living God. And so that explains why in Deuteronomy, if you study Deuteronomy chapter 5, where God is, uh, through Moses, giving instructions about keeping the Sabbath, God says, I brought you up out of Egypt which is a way for us to understand today was being released from the captivity of slavery, which is the picture of what sin does in your life. So part of keeping the Sabbath for us today is reflecting on what Christ has done for us by releasing us from the bondage of slavery to sin. And God redeems us in order that we would be free from sin and not... Being um, find freedom in life from the things that we think that we can buy from our work or get from our work, and so when you reflect on the gospel on the Sabbath day that you take and what Jesus has done for you, what you do is you replace the idols of work with your true identity in Christ and again we are uh, this is what Jesus meant in the book of of Luke, where Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So this brings us to the last point, which is the Sabbath rest is a rest in God. So the practice of Sabbath is God's prescription, but you have to take your medicine. And just to review, we have this prescription. It's a rhythm from God, it's a reorientation to God, and it's a rest in God. In the the medicine that you receive from a physician does no good when it sits on the counter. And that's the same with the practice of Sabbath. It won't have any effect on your life if you don't intentionally practice it. And I would argue you have to think about ahead or build discipline into your life or you're going to end up focusing all day long on secular things and things that don't have anything to do with, with God. And that's why, again, I think for most believers, if you don't work on Sunday... I would encourage you to make Sunday your Sabbath day, because when you're at church, it helps you to lay a foundation in corporate worship for focusing on all these things we're talking about. And so I would encourage you to make that a commitment. It breaks my heart that we spend so much time and energy begging people that call themselves followers of Christ to come to church, when they could actually be rejuvenated and receive that idea of God being central to their life and the, the, the purpose of their life if they would come regularly and, and with intentionality and discipline. So I really want to encourage you to see that church needs to be part of your week and you are in a local church uh, for by God's will for a reason to receive instruction at a critical time in your life. So we should view church as a way to lay a foundation for the rest of the day being Sabbath rest for us. And that's going to be for most Christians. I mean, most pastors would say, Sunday is not a day of rest for me. And I would concur with that. You know, for most pastors, it's it's the hardest day of the week for them. Um, you know, we would say at the end of the day, I don't know how many more of these days of rest we're going to be able to stand. I mean, so it, it's, you may be like that. You know, you may have to work on Sundays, so you may need to pick another day of the week, but, but but church still needs to be part of your practice of Sabbath in some way, and so I would encourage you to know, if you're in this church, know what's going on on the Sundays that you do miss, and I don't want anybody missing because we have sermons online, but... I would encourage you to listen to those sermons online because if God has called you here, then God has something for you to hear in this divine process of preaching and through the corporate worship experience. And so I want the critical factor again is, are we resting one day in seven? Are we focusing on that day throughout the course of the day? And what this means is if you leave church, like a lot of christians do looking like they're an olympic sprinter coming out of the you know the, the blocks re- ready to get out of here as fast and i'm not saying there's i'm just saying there's a lot of people that chomp at the bit to get out of church as fast as possible but they in order that they can go and do some kind of secular activity the rest of the day and never think about god again i would say you're not getting the benefits of the sabbath which are for your well-being and your health and your rejuvenation you're not taking your medicine. So if you're burned out and you're feeling fatigued and you're feeling like uh, you're always stressed out, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, you need to practice keeping the Sabbath with more intentionality and to take your medicine, so to speak. And Sabbath rest doesn't have to be laying around doing nothing. For you, it might be taking a nap, but for the next person, it might be riding, going for a bike ride 50 miles on their road bike because that is restful to them. And it might be a person saying that I want to um, do an activity over here. So the key is not so much this activity or that activity, and, but what we do have to be cognizant of, aware of, is that we are obligated to be Christian witnesses in what we're doing and not be a stumbling block to somebody. I mean, I've had, I've had people tell me that cutting grass was restful to them, which to me, that's the epitome of work. <laughs> but they're like, I want to go home after church and just chill out and ride, my, you know, ride in lawnmower and, and have a restful afternoon. I'm like, well, for me, that's the epitome of work. And so we have to be careful that our activities don't come across as being a stumbling block to other believers. But if you really feel that strongly about cutting grass, I want to give you a blessing by coming to my house anytime you want. (laughs) The conclusion of this Sabbath is that God's got a plan for us to be recharged and recover. And the central idea is resting in God as our Savior King who sent His Son to do the work that we couldn't do. See, what, what Christ did was, Christ, He became weary. He became fatigued. He became burdened at Calvary because He loved you. And He loves you. He bore your sins in His work. And after hanging on the cross for six hours, bearing the weight of the work of being a Redeemer King, Jesus was able to look up to His Father and say, it is finished and it is very good. And because of that beautiful exchange that we have, we don't have to work for our salvation. We don't have to work to prove that we're people worthy of love because God has already told us that He loves us through the cross. And his call is to rest one day in six, deeply, intentionally, in in his love for us. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, to begin to, even today, to begin to look at your life, your activities, and ask the question of God, God, am I practicing the Sabbath? Am I receiving the benefits of taking the medicine that you've prescribed for me here in your word? But if you're here today and you would say, I came to this church service, thinking I was good enough to go to heaven if I died, then the Bible would say that you are not a Christian. To be a Christian, to be a true Christian, is to be a person who trusts in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone and what He did at the cross, and to believe that He is the Savior King who died at Calvary and God raised from the dead. So my question is, have you ever received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and walked away from trying to be a person good enough through your work to get to heaven. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now by praying a simple prayer. And I'd like to ask everyone if they just bow and enter a time of prayer. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, even now you can begin to respond to something maybe that you feel God is leading you to change in your life. But if you're here today and you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, would you be willing right now to do that? To be willing right now to say, I see, God, that you sent Christ to die on the cross to do the work necessary for me to have eternal life that I could not do for myself. Would you just pray in silently even where you're sitting, Lord Jesus, I believe that you did the work for me and I want to rest in your finished work at the cross. Forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sins and I make you the Lord of my life. I rest in your work alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Will you pray that prayer? Give your life to Christ. Open up to him. Let him into your life. Turn from your sin. Become a follower of Christ today. You make that decision. I want you to let somebody know that's a a christian so that we can help you get started in the christian experience we hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth for more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com have a great day and god bless